Hello everybody, Sukreo here, and you're listening to Your Blank Year of Stories. Uh, second episode I'm recording today. Got a little bit more work done on my friend's gift. It's gonna be a lot more writing than I thought it would be. <sighs> I had something I wanted to bring up in this episode. I had something I wanted to bring up in this episode. But I'm forgetting what it was. <clears throat> My voice does not sound like my voice right now. I don't know why. Sort of silly, sort of goofy. LOL. I don't know why I am the way that I am. Um, I'm just gonna jump jump right into the book, to be honest. OMG. Hang on. Random thing. When I was trying to upload the last episode, like the episode previous to this one, um, at first, the audio, like the file I had downloaded from my recording site, which I think I showed at some point, Vokaroo I use, um, it just... It kept saying, processing, fail, try again. And I was like, no, the audio. And I thought I'd have to record it all over again. But I hadn't, like, set up to start recording a new episode yet from the site. So I just re-downloaded it and uploaded that. And it worked. Like, thank God. But I honestly don't even know what happened. Like, I don't know what went wrong there or anything. It just refused to process. It was sort of silly, sort of goofy. But I thought I was going to have to record the episode all over again. I was going to cry. Anyway, back to I Grain the Brave by Cornelia Funk. I wonder if it's pronounced Funk or it's something weird like Funka. Because German. And I don't mean weird, like, in a bad way. I mean it, like, you know. The Rules of Chivalry The knight's grey mare was not quite as fast as Lancelot, but they made good progress. Nothing stopped them in their swift ride. The night was quiet and peaceful, and the sky was full of stars. The sorrowful knight was a silent companion. Igraine asked him about the tournaments he had won, the hunters he had driven away, the unicorns he had saved. She asked why he didn't have a squire, and what the knight's daughter looked like up close. Oh, what the king's daughter looked like up close. But the knight just sighed, murmured sometimes yes, sometimes no, and now and then simply, I forget. Igraine, however, had dreamed for so long of riding beside a real knight one day that she went on asking questions. What did the coat of arms on his shield mean, she asked. Did he prefer fighting with a sword or a battle axe? Was the king really as useless at tilting with a lance as people said? That question made the knight laugh, and finally he began talking. By the time they left the giant's hills behind and reached the, mar- and reached the marshy plain that stretched all the way to the Whispering Woods, the sun had risen and Igraine had learned quite a lot about the knight's adventures, but she hadn't yet found out why he was so sad. How much father... Farther is it to your parents' castle, asked the sorrowful knight as they watered their horses at the Elfin River, which was said to flow all the way to the sea. Oh, it can't be much farther now, Igraine said, yawning. If we don't stop to rest, we can be there just after sunset. Her stomach was rumbling, and she was dreadfully tired after the long, endless ride, but she couldn't wait to be home again. We should rest our horses, said the knight, and slipped out of the saddle. Nothing hostile has met us yet, but it still may, and in that case our horses had better not have weary legs. Igraine could hardly disagree with that, and Lancelot was obviously pleased when she let him wade in the clear water of the river. But Igraine herself could think of nothing but Pimpernel Castle. Had Osmond attacked already? Suppose she came too late. I'm rather worried, you know, she told the sorrowful knight softly. And I fear you have good reason, he said. Tell me more about this man, Osmond. He's our new neighbor. His castle is east of Pimpernel. In fact, all of our neighbors are horrible now, because to the west there's the one-eyed duke, and he has a bad reputation, too. Yes, I have never heard anyone speak well of him. 
The sorrowful knight drew his sword and ran his finger over the blade. Well, what do you say? I see you carry a sword. Would you care for a little passage at arms to loosen up our weary limbs? Really? Igraine leaped to her feet. Sword play with a real knight? So far she had never fought anyone but the leather dummy, the grooms at Darkrock, and Bertram, and Bertram wasn't exactly quick on his feet. She drew the sword she had brought. It was short and not too heavy, as if made for Igraine's hand. The words engraved on the blade said it said that it had been a present to her great-grandfather on his thirteenth birthday. "'If you will allow me,' said the knight, "'I'll choose a long dagger as my weapon. "'My sword is clumsy and, and awkward compared to yours.' "'Of course, whatever you like,' replied Igraine, getting into position. "'Shall I put my, he my helmet on?' The knight smiled. "'That won't be necessary. You're fighting a friend,' he said. Igraine's heart was in her mouth as she countered his first attack. After she had parried his blade for the first, for the third time, the sorrowful knight stopped in surprise. "'Well done,' he said. "'My word, you're not bad at all.' Igraine felt the blood shoot into her face. "'Well, I've had quite a lot of... Little, 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 little. "'I've had quite a lot of practice,' she faltered. "'Good. Then now I'll show you a few things that you may not have practiced yet,' said the sorrowful knight. "'And he didn't seem quite so sorrowful any more.' They fenced and fenced while the horses grazed by the river bank and rested, rested their tired legs. At last, Igraine mopped the sweat off the end of her nose, gasped for air, and let herself drop into the grass. I can't go on, she said. The knight sat down on a stone beside her and smiled. You fight very skillfully for your age, he said. Even experienced squires are lower, slower. But always remember the two rules of chivalry. Never turn your skill with the sword against weaker opponents. Use it only in self-defense, and never use it to enrich yourself. Of course not, said Igraine, sitting up again. Good, said the sorrowful knight, and he looked at her thoughtfully. Then let me tell you two more rules that you may not have heard before. Always remember that your opponent may not be keeping to the rules himself. And remember, he added, bending his head, that you will never be as good as the knight who does nothing, day in and day out but practice fighting. Igraine looked at him, taken aback. But I want to be the very, very best knight of all, she said in a, low, in a low voice. And spend the rest of your life practicing fighting, every hour of every day. Igraine stroked her gleaming armor. Well, perhaps not every hour, she said. But that is what some knights do, said the sorrowful knight. I myself once knew such a knight, and he drove his sword into the ground. I bet that iron hedgehog practices all day every day, said Igraine. He has iron spikes all over his armor, and his face is as white as snow, as if he never takes off his helmet. <clears throat> the sorrowful knight looked at her in astonishment. What are you saying? What knight do you mean? He's Osmond's castellan. Igraine knelt down by the bank of the river, cupped her hands, and filled them with cool water. It gives you goosebumps just to look at him. Well, not me. I'm not afraid of him, I mean. She cleared her throat, embarrassed. I mean, the only thing I'm really frightened of is spiders. I know it's stupid, but is there anything you're afraid of? The sorrowful knight didn't answer. He took his sword out of the ground, wiped it clean, and put it back in the sheath. Then he sighed. I am indeed afraid of certain things, noble Igraine, he said at last. But I fear nothing in the world more than the knight of whom you spoke just now. His name is Rowan Heartless. He is the man who robbed me of my honor. I have challenged him to joust three times since then, and each time he defeated me with his first lance thrust. I will keep my word and escort you back to your parents' castle, but I can't help you against Heartless. No one can. Well, we'll see about that, said Igraine, straightening up again. How did he rob you of your honor? Not just by defeating you? No. A knight does not lose his honor when he is defeated in a fair fight. He did worse, much worse, and I became the sorrowful knight of the Mount of Tears. Oh, come on! Igraine reached for his hand. It can't be so bad. It can't be as bad as all that. But you don't. But you don't have to tell me about it if you don't want to. Just come to Pimpernel, and you can watch my parents turn Osmond and the Spiky Knight into tadpoles or woodlice. They need the giant's hairs for that. 
however, because they're pigs at the moment, I'm afraid. Very pretty pigs, though. A tiny smile appeared on the sorrowful knight's lips. I suppose magic isn't allowed in chivalry, is it? Asked Digrade. No, that would be dishonorable, replied the knight. Well, never mind. Igrave went over to Lancelot and put his bridle on again. I'm very bad at remembering magic spells, anyway. Let's ride on, and you can tell me what else is dishonorable. As you wish, brave Igrave, said the sorrowful knight, mounting his horse. Do you know, I am sure you will be an excellent knight some day. The One-Eyed Duke Igrave dared not ride past Darkrock carrying the precious giant's hairs, so they turned west, where the One-Eyed Duke ruled the land and its people. Neither Igrade nor the Sorrowful Knight had ever ridden this way, but Igrade knew that, that the Elfin River would lead them to the Whispering Woods. Soon dense woods came down to the banks of the river. They offered protection from prying eyes, but progress was slower among the trees than in the hills. The horses grew restless. They picked up the acrid scent of bears and wolves. Igrade and the Knight had their swords at the ready, but apart from a couple of robbers, Robbers, who made off at the sight of their armor, nothing but hares and deer crossed their path. It was a hot day, but under the trees it felt cool, and early in the afternoon Igraine saw the, the duke's castle on a hill not far away. It was surrounded by miserable straw huts, and the peasants with their children were toiling away in the fields outside, sweating in the baking sun. Igraine reined in her, her horse. Look at that, she said. Even the children have to work from sunrise to sunset while the duke goes out hunting. I wouldn't want to end up with to end up that sort of night. The sorrowful knight smiled. He was smiling more and more often now. I hardly think we need to worry about that, noble Igraine, he said. They went on following the river. Soon it made its way its way, foaming through a ravine with steep and densely overgrown sides. Only a narrow path led it led along it above the water. Why don't you live in your castle anymore? Igraine asked the knight as they followed the path side by side. It must be terribly cold and drafty in that tower. And there were probably a number of spiders, but presumably the knight wouldn't mind the knight didn't mind them. For some time he didn't answer, and when he finally did, his voice was dark with sadness. <clears throat> I was once the guardian of a castle, he said. Three ladies lived there, and I was appointed to protect them. What for? Couldn't they protect themselves? asked Igraine. They weren't like you, replied the knight. What became of them? There was another long pause. <clears throat> then the knight said, Rowan Heartless, whom you call the Spiky Knight, stole them away, and I could do nothing to stop him. Oh, Igraine looked at him in dismay. But how could they just let themselves be stolen away like that? The knight never got around to answering her. There was a rustling in the bushes on the slope to their left. Lancelot shied away as something slithered down, slithered down the ravine with a loud squawk. It landed in front of the stallion's hooves, and a shower of leaves and twigs that had been torn loose rolled on and fell into the river with a mighty splash. "'What was that?' asked Igraine, bending over Lancelot's neck. Three heads emerged from the river, spluttering, the third one noticeably smaller than the other two. They all belonged to a moss-green dragon that hauled itself out of the water, snorting angrily, and stared grimly up at Igraine and the Sorrowful Knight. "'Oh no! Two more of them!' growled the smallest head. "'It's one of those days again.' "'What are you gaping at?' bellowed the other two heads. "'Are you out hunting dragons for fun, too? Do you need a dragon's head to hang over your castle gate? Look at my third head, will you?' The one-eyed duke cut it off, and it still hasn't grown back any larger than any of your silly human heads. I really am sick and tired of this. And today that fellow's after me again. Don't you and your sort of the- In those tin pot helmets have anything better to do? What the- We don't hunt dragons, Igraine interrupted as soon as she could get a word in. Really, we don't. Word of knightly honor. I wouldn't give much for that growled the dragon back, but I don't fancy sitting about in this icy water any longer, either. It sneezed three times as it waded to land, going red in its three green faces, and once on the bank it shook itself so vigorously that Lancelot almost bolted. The Sorrowful Knight's mare, however, seemed to be used to dragons. "'Look at me,' muttered the dragon, dragging its tail out of the river and gloomily examining its reflection. 
Ridiculous. Absolutely ridiculous. Oh, shoot. I just realized I haven't been mentioning pictures as I came across them. I didn't do that last episode either. Oops. Um. Um. Okay. Since I forgot to do that last episode, I'll just say it now. Or I can take note of it in the Insta posts. I don't know. Um, that's just an oopsie on my part. Um, uh, yeah, I'll mention it in the Instagram post, but in this episode, I can start correcting that now. I can start correcting that now. Um, so, where there, where, um, the Sorrowful Knight is telling about um, the spiky night and they're at the bank of the river. There's a picture, there's an illustration of them sitting at the bank of the river with the horse in the background. That is the only other picture so far that I missed. Okay. <clears throat> Sorry, I d it just clicked that I was forgetting to mention that. Um, ridiculous. Absolutely ridiculous. My head is no bigger than a plum, and if that duke had his way, I'd have three heads that size on my neck. Um, there's a picture of the dragon be with, like, on the bank of the river. So, um... Its scaly body was so large that it entirely blocked the path between the slope and the river. Igreen was just wondering how they were ever going to get past it when the sorrowful knight turned in his saddle. There's someone coming, he told her softly. Draw your sword. Igreen obeyed. She heard the sound of galloping hooves, the clang of the clank of armor, and dogs barking. The dragon hunched all three heads down between its shoulders in alarm. I know who that is, it hissed. I just can't seem to shake him off. I suppose I'll have to wave goodbye I'll have to wave goodbye to another head now. No, you won't, said Igraine, turning Lancelot so that he was standing in front of the dripping wet dragon. The sorrowful knight brought his horse up beside her and laid his sword over his knees. Igraine did the same. What's all this about? asked the dragon, taken aback. We will protect you, fireworm, replied the sorrowful knight. Or have you ever done the, the one-eyed duke wrong? Of course not, cried the dragon. I've never done a living soul wrong. I haven't cut off any, off one of anyone's heads. I feed on moonlight, and all I want is to lie in my cave and be left in peace. Indeed, that is not too much to ask, said the sorrowful knight. Here he comes, cried Igraine. Four hounds, barking, raced down the path. Behind them galloped a knight on a very large on a large horse, which was also wearing armor. The rider's visor was open, and Igraine saw that he wore an eye patch embroidered with pearls. The coat of arms on his shield was a dragon's head. When the hounds saw the strange knights, they stopped in surprise, growled, and put their ears back. Their master, taken aback, reined his horse in. Out of my way, you he roared. That's my dragon. I've been after it for weeks. What's more, you're trespassing on my property, so clear off and get a move on. The hounds growled louder than ever and cautiously ventured a little closer. Run for it, dragon, said Igraine over her shoulder, without taking her eyes off the duke. And if you want to be rid of this one-eyed idiot forever, move to the Whispering Woods. No one hunts dragons there. The dragon's three pairs of eyes looked incredulously down at her. Then it turned and scuttled away as fast as its scaly, eye, scaly legs would carry it. Stop! Stop! Blast you! bellowed the one-eyed duke, so angry that he almost fell off his horse. You two will be sorry for this. That was the only three-headed dragon in my forests. With a brusque movement, he drew his sword, waved it over his head, uttered a loud roar, and stormed forward. Leave this to me, the sorrowful knight whispered to Igraine. Without waiting for her answer, he raised his shield and urged his horse on along the, the narrow path to meet the one-eyed duke. The duke slammed his sword down on the sorrowful knight's shield so furiously that Igraine could hardly see or, or hear for the noise. 
but the sorrowful knight didn't seem particularly impressed. Effortlessly, he fended off the wild sword strokes, then suddenly lowered his shield. The duke immediately went at the target's target so easily offered, and the sorrowful knight answered with a blow that struck the sword from his hand. It flew through the air and landed in the river. The duke, taken aback, watched it go, and fell backward off his horse when the sorrowful Sorry, when the sorrowful knight dealt him another blow on the breastplate. His hounds licked his face as he landed among them, and his horse jumped into the river, swam to the opposite bank, and stood there with its reins dangling. The sorrowful knight rode over to his fallen opponent, dismounted, and looked down at him. Do you require my help? he asked. No, shouted the one-eyed duke. You were lucky, that's all. Tell me your name, so that I can find you and take revenge for this disgrace. Without a word, Igraine's companion put his sword back in its scabbard and remounted his horse. "'I am the sorrowful knight of the Mount of Tears,' he said. "'And you, less than noble knight, surely do not know the meaning of disgrace.' So saying, he turned his gray mare, his gray mare rode back to Igraine, and with a weary wave of his hand gestured to her to follow him. "'You, you just leave the dragons alone in future. Understand?' called Igraine to the duke, who was still lying among his hounds. If I ever hear otherwise, you'll have me to deal with, or I'll tell my mother to turn you into a fat worm. The duke could think of no answer to that, and Igraine turned Lancelot and, and rode after the sorrowful knight. The Castle Under Siege It was pitch dark by the time they reached Pimpernel, but even from some way off they could see countless fires burning in the darkness, and when they came closer, Igraine realized that hundreds of tents had been pitched on the meadows outside the castle. Osmond's banner was fluttering over the largest tent. Pimpernel was under siege. The castle walls shone red in the firelight, and glowing sparks were falling to the castle moat from the gargoyle's mounds. "'I fear this does not look good, noble Igraine,' whispered the sorrowful knight. "'Your castle, forgive me for saying so, is rather small and rather decrepit. It will not hold out for long against such a large body of troops. He looked quite surprised when, our, when Igraine laughed. Oh, this is nothing, she whispered back. When Acalon Blackbeard besieged Pimpernel, there were tents pitched all the way to the horizon. I hadn't been born yet, but my fathers told me about it. Our old castle can defend itself quite well. As you see, the bridge is drawn up, the walls and the tower are still standing, and now that I have the giant's hairs, I'm not a bit worried. Once my parents are rid of their curly tails, Osmond won't be able to run for it past, to run for it past enough, fast enough. I promise you. The only problem they probably have at the moment is, is provisions, because my brother Albert can turn a stone into a live ma mouse, all right. But when it comes to anything edible, he can only summon dry biscuits and blue eggs. Ah, the sorrowful knight glanced at the leaning tower and the rather low castle walls, and didn't seem entirely convinced. Well, even if it is as you say, he added after a while, how will you get inside the castle unobserved? Shall I start a fight to distract the attacker's attention? And get yourself taken prisoner? Igraine energetically shook her head. No, certainly not. Getting into Pimpernel is, is easy. There's an old escape route. My great-grandmother had it built because my great-grandfather Peleus was always having trouble with other knights, and unfortunately couldn't work magic at all. Albert and I have often used the tunnel. Its entrance is on the edge of the woods. Come on. They, they had left the house, the horses in a hollow out of sight of the, of the tents, and when Lancelot saw Igrin coming, he pawed the ground with his front hoof as if he could hardly wait to set off again. But Igrin regretfully shook her head. I'm really grateful for your help, she whispered to him, and I'm afraid you wouldn't fit into the secret passage. Go back to Dark Rock, or would you rather not see Osmond again? Lancelot took a step backward and stopped. Very well, said Igraine, taking his reins. Then I'll take you with me to the outskirts of the wood, and once we're there, you can decide. What about you? she asked, looking at the sorrowful knight, who was standing beside her deep in thought, patting his mare. Are you sure you won't come into the castle with me? The sorrowful knight shook his head. I would only bring you bad luck. What on earth are you talking about? Igraine took his hand. Just because the spiky knight stole those three ladies away? You fought splendidly to protect the three-headed dragon. And come to think of it, where are the ladies now? The sorrowful knight suppressed a smile. 
I don't know. I never saw them again, though I searched for them, though I searched for them everywhere. I challenged Rowan the Heartless three times to, to get the answer out of him, but as I have told you, he defeated me every time and kept the secret to himself. Only three times, said Igraine, mounting Lancelot. Three times is nothing. Perhaps it's a case of fourth time lucky, or even fifth time lucky. You're bound to defeat him someday, and then he'll have to tell you what he did with the ladies. But do please come to our castle with me. <clears throat> no, the sorrowful knight shook his head again. No, I will escort you only as far as the entrance to the tunnel, and then we will say goodbye. Oh, well, murmured Igraine, better than nothing, I suppose, and she rode on ahead. <clears throat> the mouth of the stone lion. The gargoyles, the gargoyles were spitting sparks that lit up the night like fiery rain. Igraine kept a good distance from Osmond's camp as she rode around it. She counted eight men on guard and was very relieved when she and the knight finally reached the first trees and the whispering woods swallowed them up. Osmond hadn't dared to pitch any tents close to the forest. People told scary stories about it, and obviously the new lord of Dark Rock had heard them. Six mounted guards were, ke were keeping watch on Pimpernel Castle where its walls faced the, faced the whispering woods. They had their backs to the trees, but now and then one of them turned in his saddle and stared at the forest behind him, as if he feared that something wild and hungry might leap out of the dense undergrowth at any moment. Igraine rode along close to the edge of the wood so that she could keep an eye on the guards. The leaves of the old trees rustled above her head, and branches hanging, hanging low brushed her face. The horses didn't like the whispering sound of the forest. They twitched their ears nervously, but Igraine had walked among the trees with Albert so often that she wasn't afraid of the place anymore. We're nearly there, she whispered. There, look, wait! The knight interrupted her sharply, seizing her reins. Something is crouching among the trees, a huge animal. Larger than a dragon, I would say. Do you see its hungry eyes? But Igraine just laughed. That's one of Mama's lions, she whispered. It's made of stone from head to paws. My mother put it there by magic to guard the entrance to the tunnel. Come on. Lancelot pranced backward, but Igraine soothed him, talking quietly until he was prepared to go on again. The stone lion lay in dappled moonlight. Its head was raised so high, so high toward the leafy treetops that even sitting on horseback, Igraine could only just touch its chin. Twining plants grew around its huge body, and its eyes shone like moons caught among branches. Igraine slipped out of the saddle, and once again she glanced at the guards by the moat. They still had their backs to her in the night, but even if they had turned, the shadows under the trees would have hidden the two of them from sight. With a quick mo movement, Igraine jumped onto the lion's mossy paw, clambered th from there to its mane, and sat down among the stony locks of hair curling around its muzzle. Now watch this, she whispered, putting out her hand to scratch the lion's nose. A growl came from its chest, and the mighty mouth opened with a, l with a slight creaking sound, yawning wider and wider until it could easily have swallowed Igraine up. A flight of steps came into view between the lion's teeth, leading down its throat. "'By death and a cauldron!' exclaimed the sorrowful knight. "'Your mother must be a great enchantress indeed if she can awaken stone to life. "'It seems I need have no fear for you, so let us say goodbye.' "'He bent his head. "'Farewell, brave Igraine, and I wish you a safe homecoming to your castle. "'Meanwhile, I will keep watch on those guards.' "'So he really wasn't going to come with her. "'Igraine missed him already, but she did her best not to show it. "'Goodbye, then,' she said. But I must just say goodbye to Lancelot. She scrambled down the lion's back and flung her arms around the horse's neck. I'll come and see you again soon, she whispered, burying her face in the black mane. The moment my parents have, have turned Osmond into something truly repulsive. Lancelot nudged, nudged her face nervously with his nose and whinnied quietly. Alarmed, Igraine put her hands over his nostrils. The sorrowful knight ducked behind a bush. That was unwise, he whispered. A guard is looking this way. The guard had swung his horse around and looked hard at the outskirts of the forest, when the night was black as soot among the trees, and after a few endless moments, the man turned away again. 
Now, Igraine, whispered the sorrowful knight, go before his suspicions are aroused again. Yes, yes, I'm off, she whispered, patting Lancelot's soft muzzle one last time. Don't worry, Lancelot, I'll be back to see you, word of knightly honor. Igraine, said the sorrowful knight without turning around, if you do not disappear into that lion's mouth this minute, I'll stuff you into it with my own hands. All right, I've gone, she called back softly, but it really is a shame you won't come, too. By way of answer, the sorrowful knight only sighed. For the second time, Igraine clambered up the mane as nimbly as a squirrel. It was child's play in her feather-light suit of armor. Lancelot put his ears back anxiously and never took his eyes off her. Shh, Igraine whispered to him. It's all right. This isn't a real mouth. But as soon as she put her foot between the stony teeth, the great horse flung up his head and neighed with fear. A loud, shrill sound. The guard closest to them immediately swung his horse around, calling a sharp command to the others. Six horsemen spurred, the, spurred on their steeds and galloped toward the whispering woods, their swords drawn. The sorrowful knight drew his own sword and took cover be behind an oak. Run, Igraine, he called. No. She heard the excited voices of the guard, and through the branches she saw their swords gleaming in the moonlight. Six. Six against two. Fear clutched at her heart, and her knees went weak, but she didn't climb into the safety of the tunnel. Instead, she leaned far out over the stone teeth. What do you think you're doing? She called down to the knight. I'm not letting them kill you. They will not kill me, he replied. I told you to run. Lancelot was still neighing in agitation and stamping his hooves. Um, on this page, I'm not sure how it fits exactly. It probably would have been better on the previous page. There's an illustration of the stone lion. <clears throat> Take him with you, Grey, the sorrowful knight called to his mare. Look after him. The mare obeyed. Nudging the stallion with her head, she drove him in among the trees. I'm sitting up here until you come, too. Igraine's voice was trembling, but she sounded extremely determined. Please, don't be so pig-headed. Osman's men had almost reached the wood. Igraine could hear the clinking of their chainmail and the snorting of their horses. The sorrowful knight closed his visor. What on earth do you think you're doing? cried Igraine in terror. They'll carve you out of your armor in slices. But by now the guards had already driven their reluctant horses into the woods, making a way through the thorny undergrowth with their swords. The sorrowful knight leaped out of his cover and barred their way. Who are you? shouted one of the men. In the name of Osmond the Magnificent, surrender. One of the horsemen placed his sword point threateningly against the sorrowful knight's breast. The others were coming up from all sides, but their horses shied, away, shied once they were under the rustling trees. I am the knight of the Mount of Tears, called the sorrowful knight, striking the striking the guard's sword aside with his with his shield. The magnificent, do you call your master? I call him Osmond the Greedy, Osmond the Dishonorable. Furiously, the guards raised their swords. The sorrowful knight parried their blows, but they were sitting safely on their horses, driving him back bet between the lion's stone paws. Igraine felt her anger drowning out her fear. Don't you touch him, she shouted, clinging to the stone teeth. With all her might, she struck the helmet off one of the riders with her sword. The blow made him sway in the saddle and put his hands to his head. Igraine, called the sorrowful knight, I tell you for the last time, run! And I tell you for the last time, I'm not going without you. Igraine jumped, shouted back, come up here this minute or I shall jump. I'll jump right into the middle of those guards with their tin pot helmets and if they skewer me it will be all your fault. The sorrowful knight responded to this with an extremely unchivalrous curse. He drove back his attackers with a couple of sword strokes and sprang up on and sprang onto one of the lion's paws and then clambered up to the open mouth. With the final leap he was between the stone teeth, standing beside Igraine. Igraine's men stared up at them in astonishment. They tried to drive their horses between the stone paws, and two of the guards even stood on their saddles to haul themselves up to the to the lion's mouth. But the horses reared and the riders fell into the thorny, un thorny undergrowth and got tangled up in brambles. <clears throat> Finally, one soldier tried to climb the mane, but Igraine pushed him off with her foot. Then she jumped right inside the lion's mouth, pulling the sorrowful knight in with her, and shouted in as loud a voice as she could muster, 
Stony lion, close your jaws. Rest now on your stony paws. It was magic made you wake. Roar once more for magic's sake. The deep growl uttered by the stone lion was such a terrifying sound that all the horses threw their riders and galloped galloped away in panic, while the huge lion slowly, very slowly, closed its jaws and wrapped Igraine in the sorrowful night and darkness. They heard Osmond's men clambering up the stone outside and hammering on the lion's nose with their sto- with their swords. Spear points pushed between the stone lips, crunching, but the mouth refused to open. It is not chivalrous to escape such a battle by flight, whispered the sorrowful knight in the darkness. But they'd have slid us open, said Igraine. Six against two. Is that what you'd call chivalrous? <coughs> Sorry. Um. The sorrowful knight had to smile. Six against, six against one and a half, he said. Oh, all right, muttered Igraine. I can't get to be the most famous knight in the world if I let a nasty bunch like that slice me up at the age of twelve, and you're too good for such a fate anyway. The sorrowful knight sighed once more. Outside, Osmond's guards were bellowing furiously at one another. You are an incredibly pig-headed girl, noble Igraine, said the knight. Yes, that's what Albert always says, agreed Igraine. Come on, I'll lead you down the stairs. I'm afraid it's been dark inside the tunnel since Albert let the glowworms out because he thought they were unhappy. My brother has a very soft heart when it comes to glowworms and mice. Then she took the sorrowful knight's hand and led him down the slippery steps until, by the light of a single glowworm that had lost its way, they reached the underground tunnel that Igraine's great-grandmother had made, had once had made so that her husband, Peleus, could escape from his enemies. Egg yolks and apple crumbs. Apple crumbs? Apples don't have crumbs. Apples can't have... I'm so sorry, but it's just... Apple crumbs? I don't... That seems so wrong. The courtyard of Pimpernel Castle was dark and deserted when Igraine pushed aside the the stone slab that closed the other end of her great-grandfather's escape route. The only lights showing were behind the tower windows. Up on the wall, a solitary figure was leaning over the battlements. It couldn't be Albert. He wasn't nearly so fat. Bertram? Igraine called up to him. Bertram, I'm back! The master of horse spun around and looked incredulously down at the courtyard. Igraine? he called. Where on earth have you sprung up from? Is all that fuss over in Osmond's camp you're doing? The guards are running around like headless chickens. Bertram stopped abruptly when the sorrowful knight climbed out of the tunnel after Igraine. And who's this you've brought with you? he asked suspiciously. The sorrowful knight from the Mount of Tears, replied Igraine. He very kindly escorted me home. Where are Albert and my curly-tailed parents? Asleep? No. No one's been getting any sleep around here since Osmond's army set up camp down below. Bertram hurried down the steps. Luckily, Osmond values his own sleep too much to attack by night, so your parents can work up in the tower with Albert until sunrise. <clears throat> he lit one of the torches lying near the armory door and led Igraine and the sorrowful knight across the dark courtyard to the tower. As Igraine stepped onto the bridge, a small, furry figure scurried to meet her. Purring, Sisyphus rubbed his head against her knee. Oh, Sisyphus, whispered Igraine, picking up the cat. I've missed you so much. Did I? Did Albert remember to feed you while I was away? Not enough, growled Sisyphus, licking the tip of her nose with his rough tum- tongue. Your brother is doing splendidly, said Bertram as he led them up the tower. Osmond has been trying all kinds of crafty magic spells, but Albert has foiled them all. Are the singing bo- books helping him? asked Igraine. Yes, but they keep on moaning, said Bertram, which Albert really doesn't deserve, although admittedly the food he conjures is rather pe- conjures up is rather peculiar. <coughs> there, what did I tell you? 
Igraine whispered to the sorrowful knight. She nudged Bertram's back. What's he been giving you, Bertram? Eggs and biscuits? Buck is full of them, Bertram groaned, rubbing his fat paunch. I can tell you, the stale bread they threw me down in the Dungeon of Despair was no drier than Albert's biscuits. And as for the eggs, if it was only the shells that came out that color, but even the yolks are, bl are blue. With a sigh, he climbed the last few steps and stopped outside the door of the magic workshop. That wretched serpent door handle has bitten my hand twice already, he whispered to Igraine. Does it bite you, too? Because if not, then... That's fine. I'll do it, Igraine whispered back. But keep quiet. I want to give my parents a surprise. She put Sisyphus down on the floor, pressed the handle without a sound. The snake just hissed quietly at her touch, and peered around the door into the workshop. Albert had his back turned to her. He was standing at the large table in the middle of the room, surrounded by his mice, who were sitting at on two six-branch candlesticks dangling their tails. Albert was staring grimly at an empty plate with three books of magic standing around it, hands behind their backs, in the position they always adopted when they were going to start singing. Igraine's parents were anxiously resting their snouts on the edge of the table. <coughs> biscuits and eggs, eggs and biscuits, I don't believe it! roared Albert, shaking the table so hard that the books stumbled into each other, and one fell right across the plate. Looking cross, it got to its feet again, cast Albert an extremely repro reproachful glance, and smoothed out its first page. But Albert took no notice. He went on staring gloomily at the empty plate. I can send Osmond's own arrows flying back around his ears with a single spell, he cried. But when it comes to something to eat, I can't even manage the simplest soup-making charm. It's enough to drive you crazy. Standing at the door, Igraine had to put her hand over her mouth to stop herself from giggling. Right, here we go. Last try, growled Albert. Careful, books. Concentrate. He raised his hands in the air. The singing books closed their eyes and began humming quietly. Page 223, said Albert. Rustling, the books leaped through their pages. Apples, they sang. I am so not singing this. So you can cry yourself to sleep about that, okay? I am so not singing the apple song. Ahem. Ah, apples. <laughs> it was a three-part round. Apples red of rosy hue. Ro oh, <laughs> dude, this got me cackling. Apples red of rosy hue. Called Albert. Ro oh, <laughs> dude. Rolls all brown and crispy, too, said Albert, spinning around on his own axis on the tip of one toe. Come hither, come hither, oh do, sang the books, still in three parts. Hither come and fill this plate. Albert leaped into the air. Fill the kitchen. Do not wait. Abra, sang the books happily. Brocadabra, fortissimo pianissimo. Then they slammed themselves shut. There was total silence. Albert had closed his eyes. Well, what about it, mice? He asked impatiently, without opening his eyes again. Did it work this time? The mice began squeaking excitedly. Albert opened his eyes and leaned over the plate with a happy smile. An apple and a roll lay on it. What a wonderfully red apple, my boy, said Sir Lamrock. Yes, and look at that roll. The fair Melisande snuffled appreciatively. It's a real picture. I never saw a nicer roll. Well done, Albert. Well sung, sung books. Flattered, the books took a bow. Albert picked up the apple, polished it on a corner of his magic coat, and bit into it. The apple crumbled. Igraine pressed her hand over her mouth as hard as she could. Biscuit crumbs, roared Albert, slinging the apple out of the window. With a dark look, he reached for the roll. When he broke it in half, blue egg yolk tripped out. It was too much. Igraine burst out laughing, so loud that the books of magic clung to each other in fright. Igraine, said Albert without turning around, my little sister's back. 
With a sigh, he gathered up his mice, put them in the pockets of his magic coat, and brushed apple biscuit crumbs off his off its collar. Okay, 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 okay. The chapter title makes sense now. The chapter title makes sense. Sir Lamarock and the fair Melisande, however, ran for their daughter in such excitement that they swept the books of magic off the table and almost knocked Albert over in their delight. Honey, did you get the giant's hairs? cried the fair Melisande, nuzzling her daughter lovingly with her black snout. Yes, of course. Igraine took the bag containing Garlof's hairs from her belt and handed it to Albert. She really got them, cried the books of magic. All of those still sitting on the shelves hurried down to join the others. The three books that had the three books that had helped to conjure up the biscuit crumbs slid down the table legs and hopped excitedly around at Albert's feet. Let's have a look, let's have a look, they cried. Well done, little sister, said Albert, appreciatively pulling Igraine's earlobe. I'll soak the I'll soak the hairs at once, so that we can begin working on the spell to change pigs back to parents. Ooh, genuine giant's hairs, whispered the books of magic, clustering around Albert's legs so that he hardly knew where to put his feet down. Show us, do show us. Albert took Garlic's hairs out of the bag and bent down to show them to the books. There you are, but for heaven's sake, stop making all that racket. Yes, yes, they really are giant's hairs, red hairs from a giant, squealed the books in their shrill little voices. Fresh, too. Top quality. Thicker than the quill of a feather. Red as a fox's coat. Ooh, the magic you can do with those. Come on, come on. They tugged at Albert's magic coat and hung on and hung on to its hem. Soak them, soak them. Their power grows less with every passing hour. But as they tried to haul Albert off with them, Igrain barred their way. Wait a minute, she said. First, there's someone I have to introduce to you all. She turned and led the Sorrowful Knight into the room. This, she said, is the Sorrowful Knight of the Mount of Tears. He's a friend of the giant Garlif, and he very kindly escorted me home. And these, she added, pointing to Albert and the two pigs, are my big brother, Albert, and my parents. My parents don't usually look like that, but I think they're still nice this way, don't you? The knight took his helmet off and bowed low to Albert and the two pigs, while the books, full of curiosity, curiosity immediately surrounded him. <clears throat> a genuine knight, take a look at that, will you? said one in its reedy voice. His armor is rather dented, whispered another book, almost as bad as the dense old Pelly's got from falling off his horse all the time. That helmet could do with the dusting, commented a third book. Rather embarrassed, the sorrowful knight cleared his throat. Shut up, will you? said Igraine, so angrily that the books flinched away. We haven't been sitting around on a nice upholstered shelf like you. We've rescued a dragon, fought the one-eyed duke, and outwitted Osmond's guards. Oh, dear me, groaned the fair Melisande. That sounds terrible, honey, and I am very grateful indeed to this noble knight for seeing you safely home. Yes, to be sure, snorted Sir Lamarock, pricking up his piggy ears. That was very kind of you, Sir Sorrowful Knight of, er, the Mount of Tears. <clears throat> the Sorrowful Knight bowed again. It was an honor, he replied, and a pleasure. Your daughter is brave and fearless, and of a most chivalrous cast of mind, even if she and I sometimes don't see the rules of chivalry in quite the same way. Pleased, Lamarock and Melisande lowered their snouts. My dear, er, Sorrowful Knight, it makes us very happy to hear that said Sir Lamarock, much moved. Igraine deeply regretted having taken her helmet off, helmet off because now, unfortunately, everyone could see her blushing to the roots of her hair. Bertram told me that Albert's enfoiling all Osmond's magic tricks, she quickly said. Albert's expression was one of deliberate modesty. Well, admittedly, I didn't do badly, he said. How about the food? Igraine couldn't resist. Albert was looking so terribly self-satisfied. Yes, all right, I still have to work on that a bit, He's, he muttered, but now I'm going to grate the hairs and then soak them. Use the condensed dragon's vapor, my boy, Sir Lamarock called after, after him. It works even better than water snake saliva. I think we still have a small jar left. The books followed Albert in a long procession as he disappeared into the back room of the workshop, the stirring and boiling room, as Igraine called it. Her father put his pink front trotters up on the windowsill and looked out at the night. I'm really looking forward to turning that Osmond into a shape that suits him better, he said. 
What do you think, honey? Would a cockroach fit the bill? Or would one of those fish that wallow in the mud be better? Be better. I'll have to think about that, said Igraine. But first I want to hear what's been going on here while I was away. Oh, nothing much, replied her mother, nudging her lovingly with her snout. Osmond is a terrible bore with his threats and his rather second-rate ma- magic, and he's spoiling our view with all those tents. The noise is rather a nuisance at times, too. Yesterday he tried making the castle fall down by rather inexpertly ca- casting an earthquake spell. The towel wobbled a bit, and four gar- gargoyles lost their noses. But otherwise nothing happened. The man's a fool. He did terrible damage with our books. He certainly would, agreed Sir Lamrock, and your brother is acquitting himself bravely. But it's high time we got our own magic powers back so that we can put an end to all this tail-curling nonsense. I'm really sorry that you were our guest at Pimpernel at such a difficult time, Melisande continued to the sorrowful night. He was still standing by the door looking uncertain of himself. This is a small castle, but we always have a couple of rooms ready for unexpected guests. So if you'd like to stay in spite of the racket that man Osmond is kicking up, my thanks to you, said the sorrowful knight. I would be happy to stay, but if you will allow me to, I'll sleep up on the wall behind the battlements. Only under the stars am I free from my sorrowful dreams. Well, just as you like, said the fair Melisande, looking thoughtfully at the knight. But my specialty is good for sorrowful dreams, too. I'll ask one of the books to take a mug of it up to you on the wall, with the plate of Albert's biscuits. Although, she added, giving the knight an enchanting piggy smile, they really are rather dry, even for my palate, piggy as it is at at present. The Battle of the Magicians Osmond attacked the next morning as soon as the sun had risen. Igraine fell out of bed in alarm when the noise started. Sleepy and still feeling grubby from her journey, she clambered into her armor, gave Sisyphus his milk in the kitchen, and then went out into the courtyard. Albert and the sorrowful knight were already up on the battlements. The moat will be brimming over with fish if any more of Osmond's half-witted knights fall in, said Albert as Igraine pushed in between them. She looked anxiously down at the moat. Oh dear, Sisyphus can't tell real fish from night fish, she said. And what else is he going to eat? We don't have much choice for him, except those mice, of course. Just let him try it, said Albert menacingly. That cat's too fat anyway. Give him biscuits. After all, that's what we're eating ourselves. Though Bertram is in the kitchen at this very minute trying to rustle up something else. The tents outside the castle were turning red in the light of the rising sun. The bank of the moat was swarming with archers, catapults, and soldiers trying to build wooden bridges across the water. The gargoyles smashed their lips and belched as they swallowed fiery arrows and iron cannonballs. The stone lions crouched above the gateway, roaring and using their paws to deflect any missiles that flew their way. This whole thing is getting monotonous, sighed Albert, settling down between two crenellations. He took a a small book of magic out of his coat pocket pocket and placed it on his lap. It began humming quietly. Down below, some of Osmond's men were loading up the great great catapults with bundles of burning brushwood. Albert looked at them, shaking his head. Take a look at that, will you? He said. They're trying to smoke us out now. I call it really clever to go burning a castle down when you want to steal the books in it. A brainwave. He wrinkled his nose in derision. Page 23, he told the book, and then page 77 right after that. The little book of magic opened itself and warbled a tune that sounded very much like Twinkle Twinkle Little Star. Albert turned up the turned up the sleeves of his magic coat and was just in time to catch two mice that fell out. Didn't I tell you to stay in the magic workshop? He scolded as he put them back in his pocket. Then he raised his hands in the air. Um... Ah, ah! Sorry, I was struggling to get my sticky note marker out. As Osmond's men prepared to fire the catapults, Albert scrutinized them with disdain, snapped his fingers, and called, Little bird, little Little birds fly round about. All the flames will fizzle out. Mix with Albert and his magic, and the ending will be tragic. Your fingers you will burn today as you turn to run away. The bundles of brushwood exploded with a mighty bang, and the wheels dropped off the catapults and rolled away at top speed. 
Fountains of colored light shot high in the air. Sparks fell in the water, into the water lilies, and rained down on Osmond's men. Cursing, they ran about in confusion to get away from the jets of fire. But the knights commanding them drove the men back to the moat with their with their swords and made them scoop up, scoop up water to put out put out the flames. Who cares if they bail out the whole moat? said Albert as the Book of Magic shut itself with a self-satisfied sigh. Those catapults are finished. I wrecked half a dozen yesterday. Look at those fools slapping water all over their hands. They'll have webbed fingers by noon. He turned to Igraine in the sorrowful night with a pleased smile. How did you look my fireworks show? First-rate magic, wasn't it? Um, on the page, there is a little doodle of Sisyphus. Don't know how it's relevant. Um, yes, definitely first rate, Igraine agreed, but you'd better take a look down there now. They've nearly finished building their wooden bridges. So they have. Busy, busy little bees, commented Albert, looking bored. Why don't you call in the snakes to deal with that, little sister? They're happier to obey you than me. Hey, what's going on down there? He snapped his fingers and a hail of burning arrows shot by Osmond's archers to set fire to the drawbridge turned above the moat in an elegant curve. Albert snapped his fingers a second time, and the arrows hissed back toward the startled archers, leaving a fiery trail behind them. Terrified, the men raised their shields, but the, but the arrows buzzed around them, around them like giant dragonflies all aflame and attacked the archers from behind. Soon every arrow was, ch arrow was chasing an archer through the camp. Igraine would have loved to watch the rest of the show, but Albert was right. It was time to call in the snakes. Presumably, they were down on the bed of the moat, hiding from the unaccustomed noise that Osmond's men were kicking up. But Igraine knew they would hear her all the same. A sharp hiss through her teeth, a dozen of Albert's biscuits, and next moment the water around the water, around the water lilies was rip rippling, and three snakes raised their heads from the moat. Osmond's shoulders were so busy laying their footbridges across the enchanted water that they never even noticed the snakes. But the snakes had noticed them. They shot through the water, hissing angrily, coiled around the bridges, and squeezed them until the wood splintered. Five bridge builders fell into the moat in their fright, adding a few more fish to it. Igrin shook her head at their clumsiness. I thought this man Osmond could work magic, she inquired. We haven't seen much of that yet. Oh my... Oh, my word, Sisyphus, she exclaimed as a tomcat dropped a long fishbone in her lap, shimmering and suspiciously silvery. Have you gone and eaten another one of those night fish? I'm afraid I'll have to shut you in somewhere. Sisyphus showed his contempt by catching a buzzing fly and consuming it with a loud smack of his lips. Oh, let him alone. Albert came to his help, shooing his mice back as they raised their heads from his coat pocket and stuck their tiny tongues out at Sisyphus. That's all the knights deserve. <clears throat> but the sorrowful knight shook his head. Show mercy to the men down below, noble Albert, he said. I know that they have designs on your life and the lives of your family, but many of them aren't doing it of their own free will. Osmond's knights have dragged them away from their fields and their homes and brought them here. Where else would all these soldiers come from? Half of them probably don't even know why Osmond is laying siege to Pimpernel. Did you hear that, Sisyphus? Igraine turned her sulky turned to her sulky cat with a stern expression. No more of those silver fish, however good they taste. Otherwise, I'll let Albert turn you into a dog after all. We're not friends anymore, growled the tomcat. But I turn you into a nice dog, Sisyphus, said Albert, feeding the mice in his pocket with a few biscuit crumbs. Osmond could never do that. His magic powers really aren't anything special. Yesterday he was trying harder than today, but some spells don't even occur to him. Even if he had the books, our friend Osmond would never be a great magician. I'd say he's past grade five at the very most. And with a conspiratorial smile, he bent down to the little book of magic that sat sleepily in his lap, on his lap, blinking as the sun slowly rose higher in the sky. We showed him some real magic between us, right? Flattered, the book chuckled and stroked its own pages. Noble Albert, would that be Osmond over there? Asked the sorrowful knight, pointing to a figure down among the tents. You're right, it is, replied Albert. Let's see what he has to offer now. Two servants carried the new master of Darkrock up to the moat in an upholstered armchair and put it down beside the water. Shall I fetch Mama and Papa? Asked Igraine, trying not to show that Osmond's look of determination made her a little anxious after all. 
But Albert shook his head. No, no, I can deal with this on my own. They're preparing the magic to change themselves back, so we don't want to disturb them, or we might have piggy parents for the rest of our lives. All right, have it your way, murmured Igraine, while Osmond slowly and deliberately rose from his chair. The archers lowered their bows. The, the new catapult that had been wheeled up stopped, and all the soldiers looked at their lord and master. An eerie silence fell over Pimpernel Castle, and when Osmond raised his hands in the air, Igraine saw that he had blackened his palms with soot. Uh, there is a picture of Osmond just sitting in his chair being held up by all the people, and all of his knights just staring. <clears throat> Ah, sooty hands, whispered Albert. I think I know what spell he's going to try. Page 637, book. Quick. The little book of magic hastily began leafing through its pages. Down by the moat, Osmond closed his eyes, raised his blackened hands a little higher, and called in a menacing voice. Rotten bridge, come down for me. To my will, obedient be. Recognize that my black heart now commands the magic art. Lie down, bridge. Obey you must, or you will burn to ash and dust. The stone lions bared their teeth and roared angrily down at him. The gargoyles made faces, but the hinges of the drawbridge squealed, and slowly it began to lower itself toward the moat. Osmond's men waved their swords jubilantly in the air. Albert, do something, cried Igraine in alarm. Quick! Yes, all right, called Albert back. Have you found that page yet, book? It's stuck, wailed the book, leafing through its pages with trembling fingers. There must be jam on it. Jam? thundered Albert. Haven't we always forbidden you books to snack on jam or anything else sticky? He roughly picked up the book and tried to separate the pages that were stuck together, but the drawbridge went on lowering itself. Osmond looked up at Albert with a, with a mocking smile. His soldiers gathered behind the chair, ready to charge over the faithless bridge and into the castle. I'll have it in a minute, cried Albert, fiddling frantically with the little book. It won't take more than a few seconds. Come with me, noble Igraine, cried the sorrowful knight, and in his clanking armor he raced to the flight of steps leading down to the courtyard. We must block the chain, he called to her. Fetch lances, spears, anything. Igraine nodded and ran to the armory so fast that she stumbled over her own feet. Meanwhile, the sorrowful knight braced his weight against the crank that worked the drawbridge. It was moving as if a ghostly hand were turning it. He tried desperately to turn it back the other way, but Osmond's magic was too strong, and however hard the sorrowful knight tr tried, the bridge went on coming down, more slowly, to be sure, but it was still lowering itself, and when he finally stuck his sword into the links in the chain, the point of the sword broke off. Here, take these, cried Igraine, throwing him all the lances she had been able to find in her haste. They thrust their shafts, shafts through the iron links of the, of the chain one by one to stop it from moving, but lance after lance splintered, and still the bridge was coming down. There was already a gap showing in the wall, and soon only the wood of the gate would protect the castle. But suddenly Igraine heard a shrill, chanting voice from the battlements, and the next moment Albert's voice rang out loud and clear. Place Faithless bridge, rise up, rise high, or I'll turn you to a fly. I'll feed you to the birds of prey, as driftwood you will float away. I'm warning you, don't anger me, or furious as a bull I'll be. Osmond's men groaned. The bridge stopped, swinging on its rusty chains, and refused to move an inch farther down. Osmond ranted. Osmond raged. He stamped his feet, smeared the soot from his hands all over his face in, a fur in his fury, and threw first his armchair and then his servants into the moat. The bridge still didn't budge. Spell after magic spell Osmond cast on the castle, but they all bounced off like clods of dirt of earth thrown by a child against the knight's shield. Meanwhile, Igraine and the sorrowful knight and sor clung to the crank, not daring to let go of it. Only when Albert singled signaled to them from the battlements did they cautiously, very cautiously, raise the drawbridge again. Igraine's legs were still were still trembling when they were standing behind the battlements again. Sisyphus padded up to meet her and rubbed his head against her knee. Oh, so we're friends again after all, are we? She asked. Friends, purred Sisyphus, stalking away with his tail upright in the air. Keep away from that moat, Igraine called after him, but the cat had already vanished down the steps. He's always slinking off to the little gate down there in the wall. 
said Albert. One notch of its nose, and it's so rotten it, op it opens at once. Well, how do you think we did, little sister? He leaned back casually against the battlements with the book of magic on his shoulder. They both looked very pleased with themselves and the world in general. It was terrific, replied Igraine, peering over the wall. Apart from the jam, that is. Osmond had disappeared, like his chair. Strawberry jam, Albert sighed. Those books have been forbidden to touch jam for at least a hundred years, but they're crazy for anything sweet and sticky. The little book cleared its throat with an embarrassed sound, wiped some dust off its cover, and looked the other way. May I ask you a question, noble Albert, said the sorrowful knight. Out by the moat, Osmond's men were rolling heavy rocks up to the few catapults that were still working. The attackers weren't giving up in a hurry. Of course. What is it? Albert replied. The knight hesitated for a moment. Then he asked, Where is Rowan Heartless? Your sister told me that he is Osmond's castellan. Oh, you mean the Iron Hedgehog? Albert sat down on the wall again. The little book of magic hummed. Albert rubbed his hands together, and the rocks and the catapults turned into tiny dragons fluttering swiftly away. He rode off this morning with a few soldiers, probably to steal pigs and chickens from the peasants in the nearest village so that Osmond can feed his army. He wasn't outside the castle yesterday morning, either. He didn't turn up until around midday. Ah, murmured the sorrowful knight, and he gazed into the distance, lost in thought. Igraine looked sideways at him, rather worried. Coming with me? she asked, to give him something else to think about. I'd like to see how my parents are getting on with the magic that's supposed to turn them into humans again. The sorrowful knight looked at Albert. Do you need my help? No, no, off you go, said Albert. I'm doing fine on my own. Osmond will sulk for a while now. He always does, he always does when his spells don't work. But send me up a few biscuits. And by the way, little sister... He added, your cat has just caught three more fish in the moat. Very silvery fish. He's sitting outside the little gate. And that's it for this episode. Two more for today. Gotta check this off of my little list. Beep bop. Beep. There we go. <clears throat> Thank you for tuning into this episode. I hope you enjoyed getting closer to the end of the book. Um... Can't wait to vibe with you next time. Remember to drink water and fuck bitches. Bye!